Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. In a week where Prince Andrew's dream of playing in this year's World Cup was dealt a blow when the transfer window opened and rumours began to circulate that he was going to be let go by the Grenadier Guards. Andrew was hopeful of making Gareth Southgate's squad after it was suggested that he was uniquely suited to conditions in Qatar because of his high tolerance to morally questionable behaviour and the revelation that he doesn't sweat. This came as a shock to many, but not to David Icke, who said, of course, Prince Andrew doesn't sweat. None of the shaped shifting lizard people do. <laughs> He'd be no use in the England cricket team either, would he? He wouldn't be any use for shining the ball. <laughs> no. <laughs> and at the other end of the scale, of course, Thomas Tuchel seems to have underarm sweat patches on his puffer jacket. I don't know how he's done that. That's good I know he's been under a lot of stress lately, but that takes a bit of doing, doesn't it? Yeah. To get underarm sweat on a puffer jacket. But anyway, also a week in which Novak Djokovic, the world tennis number one and staunch anti-vaxxer, was dramatically denied entry to Australia to compete in the Australian Open. When he was asked to provide evidence that he should be exempted from the country's strict vaccination requirements, he apparently produced a piece of paper with the words, I am Novak Djokovic, written on it. Should have worked. <laughs> <laughs> and world leaders have been delivering New Year messages, of course, with their hopes for 2002, but also reflecting on the difficulties of 2021. Did I say 2002? I meant 2022, didn't I? That's yeah. how far out of kilter I am. Yeah, uh, even Joe Biden, and he's saying 20. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, message. Clearly, COVID was high on the agenda for many, including Olaf Scholz, the new Chancellor of Germany, and Boris Johnson. Vladimir Putin expressed a desire to end the political divisions of 2021, and the Pope made clear that the level of violence in the home was a stain on the last year. But I think perhaps the most poignant message, though, was from Cristiano Ronaldo. And mm. I quote, 2021 is coming to an end, and it was far from being an easy year. Mm. Despite my 47 goals, scored across all competitions. <laughs> so please, it reminds me, I, I, I'm sure people will have heard that, but it does remind me, and I'm sure people know this too, but it always deserves an extra airing. Do you know the story of Justin Bieber uh, visiting Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam? <laughs> Uh, no. Right, there you go. So Justin Bieber, uh, whilst touring the world, which includes apparently Amsterdam, um, yeah. <laughs> decided he well, was encouraged, I would imagine, by his PR people to visit Anne Frank's house. And they have a visitor's book for, you know, eminent personalities. And he wrote in it, I think she would have been a believer. 
<laughs> which obviously is a follow-up of Justin Bieber. Just incredible, isn't it? Just, just great awareness. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes you think, as the so-called Colston Four walk free after a jury says no crime was committed when they pulled down a statue of a 17th century slave merchant, surely it's time somebody had a go at those Ronaldo statues. Yes. I'm just saying. North Korea has tested another ballistic missile, firing it 500 miles into the sea between South Korea and Japan. Another miss. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> and uh, today, of course, as we, as we record, is January the 6th, the first anniversary of the violent insurrection in the United States, which Trump supporters are still insisting was either done by Black Lives Matter or Antifa or the FBI or Democrats in disguise. The power of disinformation. Mm. Maybe if the FA claimed the violence at the Euro final was done by Spain and Portugal fans in disguise, we'd still have a shot at getting the 2030 World Cup. Yeah. Well, there'd be a chance because they would have had tickets, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, they Spain certainly losing semi-finalists were they not uh, you're, I'm sure they, the, the tickets went all around the place didn't they yeah, yeah Just, they did uh, well, yeah, not, they, least, they, not least to me and my son not least to you yeah exactly <laughs> anyway before we bask in the African plume of unseasonably warm weather that is the Premier League let us first huddle desperately together to share every last remnant of body warmth as we traverse the endless frozen tundra that is the very bottom of the EFL mm. which is where Aldemar still we started the new year as we ended the old, clinging on for a goalless draw in the far north. Last Wednesday away at Barrow, and then on Saturday away at Hartlepool. These are the trips, the glamour trips that get your pulse racing during the holiday period. Mm -hmm. Anyway, both times Oldham were hanging on for the point from pretty early in the second half, having played to keep it goalless at half-time. And so, in a way, we achieved what we set out to do. So, kudos to the lads and interim Tunisian coach Salim Benishaw for that. Here's an idea, though. Why not play to try and actually win the bloody game? Now that you've mastered the art of getting what you play for, mm. two points is better than none, of course, but still not enough to haul us off the bottom rung, even though Scunthorpe and Stevenage were both losing. So happy with the nil-nil that our goalkeeper, Jason with a Y, must be close to a suspension for bookings, only for time-wasting. You know the sort of thing. Not being quite happy with where he's put the goal down for a goal kick, moving it to the other side of the six-yard box, shaping to knock it to the centre-back, changing his mind, waving everybody up the field for the long kick, which he needs to take from the original side of the six-yard box, where it's a bit muddier than he thought it was, and he needs stamping down, and then one of his socks has fallen down, and there's a sandwich he needs to eat, and something from Ikea that needs assembling. Anyway, something has to change, and fast. Can a I suggest that Jason with a Y may well be able to move to Bournemouth, where behaviour like that is the stock in trade? Some statistics that there's now fewer actual play, uh, uh, playing minutes being being uh, used up in in every game. There's there's less playing time out of the ninety minutes, less time being used actually to play yeah. than ever before. Yeah, and and I have to say, and and you know, and those thirty five minutes that they do play are fucking dull if you're going to watch Stoke play <laughs> just at the moment. So there you go. I also wonder, now you've mentioned Jason with a Y, whether his parents had called him Jason with a Y in the hope that he could release a single along the lines of Lisa Minnelli. Uh, well, possibly, yeah, where, in which he has to explain the spelling of his own name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, something has to change in the Jan January transfer window, which is open now, of course, the clues in the name. Uh, the problem Oldham have in this regard is that there's a transfer embargo, or strictly speaking, a transfer fee embargo on the club, because they still have not paid back the loan from the EFL to see them through the no-crowds pandemic of last season. This means we're only technically allowed to recruit loan players and free agents. So our current top target, and this is true, is a veteran dodgy need centre-forward who was just sacked by Linfield after being arrested for pissing in the street. So, high hopes there. Ooh. On Tuesday evening, our pizza-in-a-cup-cup adventure was ended rather brutally by Wigan Athletic, whose team featured Callum Lang, the lad who scored our winning goal against Fulham the last time we did anything remotely exciting. 6-0 it was. 
You know how in cup games it's become the norm for the overdogs to field a weakened team so as to disrespect both the opposition and the competition? Well, Wigan didn't do that, but we did. It was a remarkable <laughs> thing our interim manager managed to do. I would have thought it was almost impossible to weaken that team, but he found a way to do it. He rested the one player who's been single-handedly holding the defence together, bolstered the team with academy players who all, as usual at Oldham, look like very tiny schoolboys. All the big lads end up at United or City. We get all the ones who've been told they're too small to make it. Did I ask you, your interim coach, did you say Moroccan or Tunisian? Tunisian. So do, do we think they have Blackadder there? Because this does sound like a cunning plan. <laughs> Just, exactly. so you can imagine him unveiling it. Lads... I've got yeah. a thing that's going to win it for us. Yeah, but having all these tidy schoolboys means that when there, there was, on the 70th minute, there was an embarrassingly naff pitch invasion by a couple of dozen schoolboys in replica shirts and sweatpants. It just looked like we had a load of subs warming up on the pitch by mistake. <laughs> but there's still no word about how interim our interim coach is. It seems like the owner is hoping you'll get a couple of good results so he can install him permanently, like Solskjaer, maybe with a statue as well. But, you know, that hasn't happened. My friend Steve pointed out that Selim Beneshaw has the most extraordinary centre parting, like a cross between a 90s nerd and the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments, the Charlton Heston film, if Moses did haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. You know, exactly. It's funny, isn't it, how people always say, Happy New Year. At least it can't be as bad as last year, yeah. when the only information you have to go on about how bad it's going to be is how bad it was up to and including December the 31st. So, yes, it can. It can be exactly as bad. Before, nil-nil at Barrow. After, nil-nil at Hartlepool. Before, nil-seven to, Br- to Brentford. After, nil-six to Wigan. And yeah. on it goes. But um, I have to say, Chris, undefeated in the league this year. <laughs> to be well, fair, once you're on a run, yeah. yeah, and I can't obviously, I can't, I can't compete partly because it would just be wrong to. But there's been quite a bit of Stoke shit um, just recently as well. Um, I should say, in terms of your Oldham thing, I I have a a friend who's a a Wolves season ticket holder who mm-hmm. occasionally listens to this podcast, um, um, like so many people occasionally do, occasionally. Um, <laughs> well, uh, and he's started referring to Oldham as us. <laughs> which is a great, great thing. Um, oh, and I, I also wanted to ask if you'd got my Christmas present, which I have sent to you from the Latix Club Shop, Latik. Uh, although it's not called Latik anymore. It's not called Latik anymore, no, tragically, no, no. no. But I've sent you, I've sent you, which I thought was a great thing that they sell there, I've sent you um, a quarter, I don't imagine it is a quarter, it'll be 10, 100 grams or something, of yeah. Latix Jelly Meerkats. They also have. They also have. And they had, I did this over the phone, obviously, because I'm, I'm too frightened of, of, of computers. And I yeah. phoned them up, and they've they've got, they've got a personalised club mug, okay, which uh, has. There's an example of it, and it says on, on it, forename, surname. And I could not explain to them that I wanted it to be sent with forename, surname on it, <laughs> <laughs> and not Chris England. And they said, no, 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 no. You put a name there. No, but I want. Yes, to say, what I want the name to be surname. is four names. That's surname. the point. That's no. They just they, yeah. they, they, they how about know. how about if you change it to four name with a Y? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be fine. They'd understand like that. Jelly meerkats for Christ's sake. Yeah. Oh, well. So I mean, I'm afraid that I, I'm 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 having sort of existential problems with my my position as a Stoke City supporter. Where as the you know, the celebrity Stoke City. Well, supporter, you know, I, I'd say a, a Jeremy Bates, of course, uh, is well up there. <laughs> as indeed Good. is Rob Bailey, the umpire an ex-test cricketer and 
two other people. Um, but <laughs> but it, this is you, we, we, we've talked about this before. That this this the, the 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 cliche. I think probably about twenty years old now that you don't look at the league table till after Christmas. Uh, right. The, the trouble being is that then you look at the league table, and for the vast majority of us, you go, "Oh fuck! Oh my <laughs> god! That is just terrible!" And the level of, of um, disillusionment is, is is very high at the uh, at the yeah. Three Six Five Stadium at the moment. When are you allowed to look at it again? um, Well, personally, I'm thinking never. um, But, of course, God willing, there'll be another Christmas next year. (laughs) (laughs) But but, but what's been happening, and this is is something that I really just can't do, there's been booing, and I cannot do Mm. with booing, quite apart from Mm. the fact that it it just feels a bit pathetic (laughs) to go, boo. I, I can't even do it. At pantomime, you know, I'm, yeah. if I'm watching pantomime, I'm thinking, you know, maybe Abenaza or the Giant, you know, maybe they've had a bad week. Maybe things aren't <laughs> working out well for them. This may not necessarily be how they would always behave. The whole idea. Maybe they're hiding. Maybe they're behind you because they're shy. Yeah, exactly. There's any, any <laughs> number of reasons not to boo, uh, but I have, I have, I have found that um, the trouble with 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 a bad run is one that the, the, the atmosphere becomes much quieter and that means that you hear much more uh, of what my friend Paul would call um, the Herberts the Herbitage as he calls them as a, as, as a group the, the, the let's call them the idiots um, you know lots of shit, lots of shouting for, for substitutions when no substitutions are needed you know the substitutes are substitutes for a reason you know they are they are they, they will do to swell a progress um, mm-hmm. and that's about all Start but, a scene or two. but yeah. I keep yeah I keep hearing kind of in my it's obviously in my own head People shouting, Barabbas! Bring on Barabbas! <laughs> it just, oh, it's just so, 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 so upsetting. And, and what upsets me most, I'm, and I'm being absolutely honest here, is that, do you know what? Um, it's, I'm not happy, no, but I'm not even unhappy. I, I'm, I feel at the game at the moment that I'm inconvenienced. And that feels to me to be an inappropriate way um, mm. to enjoy uh, what is meant to be um, an entertainment, a distraction, yeah. a flippity gibbet, a, a nosegay, uh, yeah. all of those things. It's just deeply, deeply, deeply upsetting. And then what upsets me even more is, is you get the moronic responses. I mean, we're still eighth, although Christ alone knows how. But um, you get you get people, you know, writing in to, to message boards, I believe they're called, um, uh, with, with things like... The uh, young people, this is. Young people, yeah, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Coates family should get their bloody checkbook out. And you think, well, one, checkbook, unlikely. Two... Mm-hmm. Um, financial fair play, and three, the checkbook's been out an awful lot. I don't really feel that that's the problem. There are there are other problems. There are more profound problems, um, and a lot of them to do with my sense of self-worth and tying it in with Stoke City, uh, and also the fact that it's clearly my fault because I've run out of lucky coats. Yeah. I'm really, really underbought on that front. So it's, yeah. it's I'm, 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 I'm having a crisis of confidence. I'm having, I'm having, well, where's that? A crisis of faith is what I'm having. Oh, well, welcome to my world. You know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, you know how... Um, a tempestuous celebrity relationship will get like a, a shorthand combination name, like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie being called Brangelina. Yes. And Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez being called Benifer. I think yes. it's high time the stormy on-off bromance between Chelsea's boss and his star striker was accorded a similar honour, and we should refer to them jointly as Tomalu Tukakal, because it makes me laugh. 
<laughs> and it's been a rocky little period for Tomalu Tukakul. It started with an interview that the How 97 and a half... have you been rehearsing saying Tomalu Tukakul? Because there's well, a chance I, of getting it wrong. Well, more times than you, because you already got it wrong. But, it... <laughs> <Tom> <laughs> but there was, there was an interview when the, that the 97 and a half million pound striker did three or four weeks ago in Italy. And it started getting stirred up in the papers here by journalists trying to cause a split get the pictures of them on their front doorsteps going out with sunglasses on so you can't tell they've been crying. Now, apparently Romelu was saying that he wasn't happy, that Thomas didn't understand him. He was unhappy with the move to London, wished he'd stayed in Italy. He was apologising to them for how that relationship had ended, said he hoped to get back together with them soon, go back where he felt properly appreciated. Whereupon Thomas threw a huge hissy fit and said, Romelu isn't as fit as he thinks he is. And he disinvited <laughs> disinvited Romelu from the big game with Liverpool, saying that there was just too much noise and it was doing his head in. And it was putting everyone else off. Now, every, now obviously, everybody, people are invested in the future of Tomalu Tukakal and want to see them both happy together. I don't particularly. I'd be perfectly content to see the wheels come off completely, frankly. But inevitably, there's been a blame game. People have taken sides. And some pundits have said that Thomas has shown strength and that Romelu has dispected him mm. and the relationship. I just think Thomas has been a whiny little bitch. I mean, he's the one who's made a massive mountain out of this molehill. He's dropped Romelu, made him do a grovelling apology to him and to the Chelsea fans who have somehow been upset don't know why uh, to beg to take him back I mean I'm, I mean I know this is how Love Island works you know you cook up a spat about nothing where everyone's hurt <laughs> and then they make up and it passes for a storyline but I think in football this is just simply a terrible bit of man management isn't it I mean what did Romelu say he was fed up because he wasn't playing enough he wants to play more isn't that what you want That's a good you thing. want him to want to play don't you yeah, absolutely. and why hasn't he stuck up for himself a bit more have a bit of respect for yourself man I mean I, I suppose I'd be prepared to debase myself and grovel if I was being paid 300 20 grand a week. But he's got to stick in his craw a bit, hasn't it? I mean, I think Tomalu Tukakal still has a way to go before we're hearing church bells. And don't even get me started on Lalf Shorgnik. You know, we'll come to that in a bit. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about Tukakal, and, and I wasn't aware of the of the phrase that you t- you turned out for me there. But it sounds a bit <laughs> like going to a school dance and getting knocked back and coming out and muttering to your friends, yeah, not as fit as they think they are. Well, as fit as he thinks he is. <laughs> it's yeah. that. And the other thing is, you know, he said, what I love is he said, you know, okay, you know, it's been a misunderstanding. You know, he's been, he's been uh, perhaps uh, not as careful as he might be, um, uh, as Romelu, um, you mm. know, and, and it's forgotten now. Although we're still going to fine him £350,000. £350, <laughs> yeah, and make him live in the Ecuadorian embassy, I would imagine, um, you know, for Man. letting secrets out. Uh, what a I, bunch of babies, though, yeah, really. Absolutely. Christ. I don't know if you heard the full, the full um, apology from Lukaku, uh, which will come out in the yeah. fullness of time. But yeah. uh, at the end of it, he also uh, confessed to the assassination of eminent party members, the distribution of seditious pamphlets, and the, <laughs> the uh, selling of military secrets to East Asia. So, you know... There's, well, there's, you do what you have to do to get by, don't well, you? Well, that's exactly that's right. And, it, and it, seems, it seems actually I'm not the only one who's not afraid to use the dating game to describe a football story. I mean, Southampton chief executive Martin Simmons described his club's search for new, new investors like this. Sometimes you have to go on a lot of dates to find the right partner. And now Southampton have decided to get into metaphorical bed with a company called Sports Republic, presumably after metaphorically inviting them in for coffee, turning the metaphorical lights down and letting them massage their metaphorical feet. Sports Republic are backed by Serb media mogul Dragon Solak, whose United Group are the largest broadband providers in eight southeastern European countries, presumably the ones clogging up all the World Cup qualifying groups. They've bought the 80% holding that Chinese businessman Ji Sheng Gao and his family bought in 2017. Related to Jerry Gao? 
Um, it doesn't or, say. Of Coventry but, City and Manchester City? No, yeah, no, he had no. a lot of hair, didn't he? He did. I throw those things in just as a question. Yeah, yeah. And they brought in 2017 at a time when the Chinese government were encouraging Chinese businesses to invest in European sports franchises. There was investment around that time in Villa, in Wolves, in Birmingham, in Reading, in West Brom, in Man City. But then three weeks after the Gauss took over uh, 80% of Southampton, the Chinese government reversed its policy. So they haven't been able to invest at all in the last four and a half years, which has been a little bit awkward. So it feels like this might just liberate Southampton a little bit, doesn't it? It feels like Hassan Huttle has been fighting to keep them just above the struggling bunch. Maybe he'll be given the tools to move them up to the next level. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And they're an interesting bunch, Sports Republic, I think, because one of its top directors is Rasmus Ankerson, who we've spoken about before. He only left Brentford last month after helping to mastermind their development as, as co-director of football, as one of the proponents of their analytical moneyball approach, which I think we said was likely to become more widespread. Yeah, we did. And so, you know, I think that Brentford, of course, has been a very successful selling team, and so have Southampton already. So you know, I, I think this will be this will be interesting. Maybe Southampton will will, will do well out of this. I hope yeah. so. Well, anyway, I like that the reports felt it necessary to say that Dragon Solak is not the same Dragon Solak who is a renowned chess grandmaster, because I'm sure that's what everyone was thinking. Well, I mean, I think I think you know it's a natural, isn't it, progression? Chess and football. They're, yeah, they're well, easy a lot of journalists thinking already of uh, chess-based headlines, like you know, Southampton take two steps forward and one step <laughs> yeah, sideways. Yeah, yes. But that, <laughs> you know that whole, that whole thing about sort of football uh, doublespeak. And by the way, why they didn't just go for you've got to kiss a lot of frogs? Clearly, they don't know the vernacular, yeah, they, yeah, which they is don't well know that. Should have gone. Um, it reminded me the whole Lukaku thing as well. Re- reminded me of um, an interview with Peter Benetti in about 1974. I would oh, yeah. have been 12, okay, and yeah. even I thought a trick was missed here because they asked Peter Benetti um, about whether um, 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 Osgood and Hudson had fallen out with, with Dave Sexton, and yeah. and he it's the headline was Benetti remains tight lipped. And even at 12, I thought, no, surely. Benetti, cat kills curiosity. Surely, <laughs> surely that's the headline they should be going for. And, and, and just one other thing, which I actually read in the um, in obituaries, which I, I'm rather worried now. I may have mentioned in in previous ones, but anyway, uh, Ray mm. Ellingworth tragically uh, oh, yeah. was lost to us. And in his obituary, there was a quote which I hadn't heard before. It doesn't mean that everybody else hasn't. Um, mm-hmm. Which was E. W. Swanton, the famous Daily Telegraph um, um, cricket uh, commentator, well, commentator in the sense of writing about it. Yes. Yeah, sure. um, written something a bit sniffy about Illingworth. And Illingworth's quote was that uh, E.W. Swanton was such a snob that he wouldn't even travel in the same car as his chauffeur. <laughs> That's a fantastic thing to say. Such, a, such an impractical snob. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to, to, to uh, as far as the, uh, as I know, no one in the involved in the Southampton takeover has been implicated in the murder of a Washington Post journalist. So, however bad they turn out, they're not going to be the worst, are they? <laughs> and it wasn't the only takeover announced. Only foreign actually takeover announced this week. Either the thirty million pound sale of Hull City by the highly unpopular Allen family, who were the ones who wanted to. Change Changed the name of the club to Hull Tigers, you might remember, yeah. among many other missteps. Um, selling to Turkish entrepreneur Akon Ilikali was reportedly edging closer to completion. And the brilliant thing about this deal is that Ilikali announced that it was imminent on the Turkish equivalent of The Voice live on New Year's oh, Eve, that's which is a fantastic thing. I mean, those Southampton boys must be kicking themselves. Or oh, we should have got Jules to announce it on the Hootenanny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but The Voice, though, the Turkish equivalent of Tom Jones. Yeah. Maybe they'll try and nick Delilah 
from Stoke, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but you'd have thought, you know, um, Dragon's Den, I think. Or, yeah, you'd or, have or thought, any, wouldn't you? Anything like that would be slightly more relevant or even... Or The, the, the Apprentice. Yeah, you know, they've already got yeah. a football... Um, uh, what part owner, haven't they? That, uh, yeah. But um, the Newcastle takeover was announced on this Saudi equivalent of Murder, She Wrote, apparently, which is, <laughs> which is called Murder, I Sanctioned. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Murder, a man wrote and a woman's pretending to have done. Yes, exactly. Murder, <laughs> She Wrote, to take the blame on behalf of... Of, of somebody completely yeah, different. Yeah. I just well, talk, talking about our our, our, uh, our friends in the, in the, uh, in the, the Middle East. Um, oh, right, with, yeah. uh, by the way, it's snowing here, I should tell you, which is, cool. which is, which is a good thing. Um, but but yesterday there was a beautiful beautiful rainbow and all I could think was I I wonder if David Beckham's going to come around and paint over it for his <laughs> Qatari overlords. I just stand in front of it so you can't see it anyway. So you look at him. So you look at him. You don't look at the rainbow. Rainbow's but... ruined for me by yeah. David Beckham and Qatar. Yeah. And speaking of Newcastle, they're inevitably making the news, aren't they, now that the transfer window's open with all that Saudi cash burning a hole in their reputation. Um, They seem to have made a start getting Kieran Trippier to sign from Atletico Madrid, who was still in the Champions League and wanted him to stay, apparently, so that's that's quite a coup. And it emerged this week, you saw this, didn't you, that Newcastle's secret weapon when it comes to (laughs) enticing players to the North East is apparently the 2005 film Goal, or strictly speaking, Goal, exclamation mark, The Dream Begins, which was followed by Goal 2, Living the Dream, and Goal 3, no subtitle, but probably the dream turns out to be owning a pub. Only, oh, the dream turns out just to have been a dream. Just to have been a dream. <laughs> yes. It's the story of a young Mexican called Santiago <laughs> Munoz who comes to play for Newcastle. And brilliantly, Newcastle actually have a young Mexican called they Santiago do. Munoz playing in their under-23s at the yeah. moment, yeah. which is, like, you know, it's, it's, they call it life-imitating art. Don't they? Yeah, but, like, yeah, but, you wonder whether they just signed him you, because, you know, whether he's got no yeah. no actual talent at all. Yeah, you know, you've got to hope so. You've got to hope that somebody's going, oh, come on. On. It's only yeah. another five hundred thousand pound a year. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, and then, and then we can mention it all the time. <laughs> all the time, yeah, yeah. So the whole goal thing, yeah. Apparently, players are impressed by the fact that Newcastle are linked to this fictitious club, which is obviously called Newcastle, and yeah, and, yeah. And, and subsequently moved there. So I'm hoping. But that, that, well, in the fiction, they're obviously a much more competitive well, team than they are clearly in real they life. Are, clearly they are. Um, but yeah, there was Callum Wilson cited the film as yeah. a reason, part yeah. of the reason. Uh, Jonas, Jonas Gutierrez. Gutierrez, yeah. Gutierrez. I, I barely. Miguel Almiron is still there. Yeah, he was went to Liverpool, didn't he? Did didn't he? he was he a very hirsute, sort of Ricardo Villa uh, lookalike? Yeah, I think he was a fullback, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I didn't mention well, that. Well, in the story, like <laughs> in the story, Munoz moves on to Real Madrid, so maybe part of the appeal is as a stepping stone to something better. Yeah. Well, I'm, oh, I'm yeah, just hoping a, that the Stoke board, if they, you know, if they are involved in any transfers, will go in there, you know, with with a decent financial package, okay, uh, promises yeah. for things in the future, and also a DVD of the great. Uh, pottery Throwdown, which will be bringing <laughs> people to stuck. Um, or, the, or the TV adaptation of Clayhanger. Yeah, maybe. but have you seen, I don't know whether you saw, you saw I've noticed, because I, I, every morning, dutifully, because of this particular programme, I, I get up and I read transfer news on the BBC, huh. uh, which means that the three words that I've read most in the last six months are Erling, Brout and Haaland, who's oh, in yeah. there every single day. But there's a new there's a new phrase in, 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 in the, the lexicon, the vocabulary of transfers, which is, but not Newcastle. Because <laughs> I've seen this several times. This is absolutely true. Agents will go, yes, there's been a lot of interest from, you know, Nantes, Everton, um, Bournemouth, 
um, yeah. Lyon. Uh, but, uh, uh, but we're not looking at Newcastle. But not Newcastle is become a <laughs> phrase, which must be so heartbreaking for them. Because, of course, the, the players who, who express an interest are then going to insist on a relegation cl- clause, which means that they can yeah, yeah. they can leave. And now you're just talking about throwing throwing bad money after bad, as <laughs> as I think of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so the big deal games of last weekend were mm. Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal City, of course. Good old Martin Tyler was trying to make out that there was more noise at Stamford Bridge, wasn't he? Because it was the first game to have safe standing since the Taylor report. But actually, it was just a lot of noise because it was actually just a hell of a game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a good game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pretty much all the people standing up would have been standing up anyway, either because they're really selfish or they couldn't see past the people who are really selfish. But anyway, two really good teams uh, clearly should be challenging for the title. And yet, as soon as the match finished in a 2-2 draw, they were both immediately written off. Off, oh, you know, yes, shoulders yes. slumped, wistful, what might have been faces. The yes. sort of thing you see two games from the end of the season. And it's only, you know, the New Year's, but, the New Year's game. But the thing is, everybody is writing them off, apart from Newcastle fans who go, it can happen. It can happen. It can happen. You can be a long way yeah. clear. Yeah. Trust me, or, at this time Or, you know, Derby fans yeah. currently. Yeah, you know, yeah. Derby fans with their 21-point deficit, they're, they're starting to think, well, you know, we could claw oh. this back, you know. Is it, it a run. It's the hope that kills you, as Adrian Charles always said. Well, and maybe it will kill them. <laughs> Have I you thought Kante was amazing, didn't you, in that what? game? Kante was amazing in that game. Just oh, I love Kante. Kante may well be my favourite player in the world just now because quite apart from the fact that he's incredibly... Um, uh, good at his job and not just the job that people have, have, have thrust upon him as a defensive yeah. midfield player, a better player than that, but also seems to actually enjoy it, you know? Yeah. You know, they yeah. use that phrase in football as if it's a rare thing that people do things for fun. He looks like he does everything for fun. He looks like fun. he plays for fun. You know, he really well, does. Well, the thing about Kante is that, that people are constantly surprised that he's done a thing that isn't just, you know, just blocking and winning the ball yeah, yeah, yeah. look he can do this as well he can do it all <laughs> oh he scored a goal that's that's you know that's unusual that's not what he's in the team he can do it all yeah, yeah. anyway very good very good work by the way from the EFL <laughs> whose response whose response to too many games being called off in the EFL was yeah. to stop testing players <laughs> so close yeah, to kick that's, off <laughs> well that's the that's the Trump approach isn't it that's yeah. the Donald Trump approach yeah. last year you say well the reason we've got so many cases is we're doing too much testing yeah, yeah. we should do less testing yeah. then we won't have so many cases and, and, I, and you know he's not wrong he's just stupid yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's missing the point um, I also noticed yeah. the rugby league um, um, authorities have done a very good thing which seem to have really halted uh, postponement by mm. saying oh no 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 the games won't be postponed um, if you can't put out a team you lose 24-0 and that yeah. That proved extremely effective. And now they've made it more effective by saying, actually, you lose 48-0. <laughs> well, if you've got a good idea, you know, double yeah. down on it, as they say. Um, and, and just very, very briefly, my two depressing things of last week, along with life, were... Mm. Um, that. Uh, so three, three three, three. Life being probably the biggest. Yeah. Uh, the other sort of kind of subsections of that um, yeah. was um, I have a friend whose wife um, uh, has uh, uh, was uh, had the use of a Mercedes car, which has the equivalent of Alexa in it, mm. and mm. she was trying to find out if. Um, Stoke were playing home or away. And you can ask your car these questions, apparently. Um, uh, not my car, <laughs> clearly, but if you've got a Mercedes. And she said, are Stoke playing at home or away today? And Alexa said, Stoke City are not in the Premier League. Did you mean Arsenal? <laughs> For fuck's sake! There's a car saying that. 
My oh, God, man. I'll tell you. Uh, but but I, I was then cheered by the fact that the Times reported that um, that Spurs had had the most possession of any pre- uh, pre- uh, Premier League game this season against yeah. Watford, where they'd had 76% um, possession. And coincidentally, the lowest possession was in the same game. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. that'll happen. Yeah, that's maths. <laughs> Did you see the story about Alexa, where a, a, a ten-year-old child yes, asked yeah, Alexa yeah. for a challenge, and they said, "Have you tried putting a paperclip in an electric socket?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alexa, have you tried discovering the Northwest Passage, Sunshine? Off you go. Anyway, yeah, anyway. we should take a break. <laughs> I think well, I don't you know a couple more things. Oh, yeah, I think uh, I think neutrals everywhere were kind of hoping that a resurgent Arsenal might clip City's wings, weren't they, the other weekend, stop them running away with it too early, and they played well, didn't they? And Guardiola said afterwards they were the better team. Uh, what I was wondering was, well, what where has that Thomas Party been hiding? Because the other one that's been playing has been a bit crap, hasn't he? But this new guy, he looks like a world beater. Yeah, Did you yeah. see the game? He, he, but that happened. Everything, that, that, it was one of those games where everything everything that player did just came off. Yeah, and he's yeah. looked like such a passenger the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah. Hasn't he? And did you see, uh, the, what was the other thing? Um, yeah, the Manchester United, of course, lo- losing oh, to yeah, yeah, losing yeah. to our, our, our friend, Wool, uh, the, the Wolves fans team. Um, although he's obviously, you know, let himself in for uh, <laughs> the heartbreak of the 6-0 home defeat to Wigan in, instead. Yes, indeed. But it, but it was a thrashing. This was a thrashing by Wolves standards, wasn't it? I mean, it, as, as far as Wolves are concerned, this is as big a thrashing as you're going to get from them. Because their last eight games have been three 1-0 wins, two 1-0 defeats and three... Nil-nil draws. But then actually admitted that the thrashing was kind of admitted by Luke Shaw, who said, you know, Wolves actually deserved to win by far more and yeah, you know, yeah. we were disjointed and people didn't want to be on the pitch and, you know, all that sort of well, stuff. Well, they said a lack of unity, a lack of intensity, a lack of motivation, weren't aggressive enough, didn't put Wolves under enough pressure. I mean, that's a lot more disruptive i think than saying you might you might like to go and play for inter again one day well yeah you know just as a just as a thing to say and there's been nothing there's been no fine there's been no hissy fit there's been no not yet anyway i mean this came after rangnick himself criticized his players body language didn't he which is awful and he's given this was fun i thought he gave mike Phelan the job of reuniting the squad yes that was interesting where it's rumored you know that 17 players are unhappy and want to leave apparently yeah. but it, you know if he was looking for a no hope job to give Phelan so he could sack him yeah. i think he might that, have that, found that, it that's very much the one yeah and i and, um, i i was uh, to, to draw back to the united thing but also the lukaku thing that the, that i found a quote from um <clears throat> Solskjaer when he was at united about lukaku uh, mm. which is um um, uh, you don't mind having a hole in the team, uh, but you can do without an arsehole. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, personally, I would go for the arsehole every time. Having an well, arsehole in the team, fair enough. But an arsehole, surely, yeah. isn't important. Well, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make him less interested in playing if he finds he hasn't got an arsehole. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the last thing. You know I've got a bit of a soft spot for Rotherham. I used to go to games with my mate Steve and his dad and his brother when I was at school mm. at Millmore, the old stadium. Nice and uh, Paul Warren, the manager of Rotherham, had a great quote this week after their win against Bolton took them back to the top of the table of League One. He said, our game management in the final 10 minutes wasn't great. It was suicide soccer at times. And a point for alliteration, point off for soccer, obviously. But he said, and they had two great chances to equalise when I almost threw up a kidney. <laughs> <laughs> and they, what the hell does that, you know, does that speak to you? Does that summon up the feeling? Yeah, yeah. really, that's funny. And just a word to Paul Warren, then, if you want to please, Chris, and the next time that was fuckwit football. 
Not suicide football, not suicide. Yeah, exactly. Have a lot of time for Paul Warren. He had a few great seasons at Oldham as a player. He's a really good lower division striker, and Rotherham have kept faith with him, and quite right to do so. I I just wish they'd sack him so he could come to Oldham, but he's far too good for us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's have a break. Guest soon. Strikers many years ago hunted in pairs Keegan and Toshak, Bannister and Warboys, Blissett and Jenkins, and now they hardly hunt at all. Our guest today is an actor, writer and comedian who's known at least in part as one of a pair. He also, as the best people do, qualified as a games teacher. Please welcome Norman Pace. Thank you. Good to see you, sir. Are they games teachers now, not PE teachers anymore? Isn't that interesting? Because I would have gone for PE teachers, but Chris had written games teachers, and you know, Chris, I don't argue with him. I I just always always think of the phrase, have you thought of a funny games teacher (laughs) that we had in a a, a writing meeting for a sketch show many years ago? (laughs) Has anyone thought of doing a funny games teacher? This guy yes. and uh, that sort. So that's how they always are in my head. Brian Glover, the two of you. Well, it's <laughs> Brian Glover. It's, yeah, it's good that you should say that actually, Norm, because I was just thinking: uh, did you just train or did you actually do it? Because I, no, the I did it. I did it for about five years. Did uh, you really? Okay. I did. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it's I, interesting. I, I, no, go on, Nick. Sorry. All I was going to say was you mentioned Brian Glover and mm. and, and actually and I uh, I was a game teacher too, uh, uh, very briefly, but. I look at that now and I look back and it was meant to be so sort of stark and unpleasant. And now I look at it, I go, bloody hell, they've got a pitch, they've got a ball, they've got a whistle, <laughs> they've got a referee. What sort of a privileged bloody place is this? Well, it's, and you must have, it's called the North. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have yeah, all I mean, the in the seventh. Yeah, I mean, sport is more important up there. Yeah, it can, it can, it can be quite uh, quite a stark realisation when you first go uh, into a school to teach games of, 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 of how little you have literally to play with. You know, there's, there's very little there. You know, we, I remember when I had my first teaching job, we actually had a budget and uh, the head of PE... <laughs> Um, yeah. There were only two of us in the department. The head of PE decided in the middle of the year to go and have his knee done. So I became head of PE, and the headmaster came and said, <laughs> have you decided what you're going to do with your budget yet? Well, I didn't even know what the word budget meant. I wasn't into politics, <laughs> so I, I had no clue. But you can buy basketballs and footballs and, you know, if you're Chris England, you can buy a whole cricket pitch in your garden. Hey, <laughs> now. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah, what? yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of, the joys, the I, one of the joys for me about being a games teacher was in those days, and no longer true, of course, no marking. So that's a great thing, isn't it? Two, you have your own little room where you can smoke. That was always a fantastic... These, the, these are the big... Pl- I'm not saying that I wasn't interested in moulding young minds, but I'm, from a personal <laughs> point of view, these were the things that were important. Moulding um, young minds uh, and bodies, Nick, surely. Well, well, I don't think we can say that anymore. <laughs> I don't think of the young people as having bodies at all. They're purely <laughs> minds, and then and, and, and there's enough of it. Um, <laughs> so uh, did you have... Did you, did you? I mean, uh, of course you would have been accomplished across the board, but did what? you have a particular sport that you were that 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 one you 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 like to foist upon them and two that you enjoyed well i i played county junior tennis for nottinghamshire okay right and uh, right. and also uh, before i took up tennis under 15s cricket also right yeah. yeah so i was a bit of a summer boy really I, I was never quick enough or strong enough although i played rugby football and everything else and basketball at five foot seven i had a disadvantage there 
generally. So, um, except when you're doing the very young kids, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's why I taught junior school as well as senior. You know, just to have an advantage yeah. of height. Yeah. Well, do you know? And, and actually, um, does it does there's kind of a serious point there in terms of the way that football used to be? Because I remember them doing a, um, a, a like a proper across the board look at the 1982 England World Cup squad. Oh, yeah. And and I think it was something. Would it have been 22, Chris, in those days, 22 in the squad? Yeah, probably, yeah. yes. yes. And I, I'm later, fairly sure that it was something ridiculous, like 18 of them had been born between September and November, which meant that they were the oldest boys in their year. Because they were the biggest year, in their year, And therefore yeah. the biggest, and therefore <laughs> went on. And this is something that football took an and other sports, took an awful long time to work out it happened. That, of course, um, in terms of scouting, in terms of accomplishment, in terms of impact, the big boys always got ahead of the uh, of, of the younger ones. And, and that, you know, that, that was, this was a fact. You know, there, was, there was no doubt about it. And, and, and deeply unfair in many ways, of course. Yes, of course. And it also explains why the Australian cricket team are all born in, in January and February. A similar principle applies down there upside down. That's why they're all so tall, skillful, strong and better than us. Well, and also they can go outside occasionally, which we can't, <laughs> just because of the weather. <laughs> yeah. oh, so when you were when you were teaching, did you ever did you ever have a, a, any any star pupils, any star football players or rugby players or anyone who went on to you? You thought, oh, he, you know, yes. he could do it. Not bad nipper. <laughs> yes, I, I, uh, two people come to mind. One is Neil Taylor, who played opening batsman for Kent, and uh, I oh, think yeah. he got on as a substitute quarter cat catch for England at Lords. I don't think he ever got a cap. And I okay. also went to school and was in the same class as Dusty Hare. Where uh, are the Good yeah. 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 Uh, Leicester in England, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, Leicester in England. Yeah, I went to school in, in the grammar school in Newark in Nottinghamshire, and his dad had yeah. a farm down the road. Uh, and yeah. his dad, uh, I recall, put a pair of rugby posts up in a in a field. So obviously nothing came of his kicking, but it was a nice idea. Yeah, well, Dusty Hare. I mean, two things about Dusty Hare. One, he was he was he was kind of um, outside of his time in that he was he was slightly flamboyant and 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 and, and not uh, um, they, they fit in a box type rugby player. Um, he got that from hanging out with you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but also um, his name makes him sound like uh, you know one of Smiley's people. I think he sounds like a spy. I like old, a cartoon guy. Old Dusty Hare, done a wonderful <laughs> job. Yes, he's, he's in charge of the Moscow desk now. Yeah, yes, no, yes I, I completely agree with you. He does, but apparently it, was, it wasn't quite as exotic as that. Apparently, his father, on the day that he was born, said his hair. Looked a bit dusty, and that was it for life. Oh, right. (laughs) So that wasn't his surname either. (laughs) (laughs) Would have been a better story. Excuse me, Chris, I think we know forename, surname. That's how it works. You can choose. His real real names are William Henry, so he he got a good deal with Dusty, I think. William Henry Hare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, you you get that occasionally in, in, in. 
um, sporting after dinner uh, speeches where you hear stories like that. And uh, the, 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 I've heard that one about Jeremy Guscott, which was Jeremy Guscott's brother was asked, uh, you know, uh, why why he was called uh, why he was called Cat was it because he was so light on his feet and yeah. you know and you know and brilliant and and, and, and nimble and etc. And his brother said, no, it's because he used to shit in next door's garden, which is <laughs> <laughs> which of course is almost certainly not true, but I don't care. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife always says, "Don't let the truth get in the way of a gag," and she's got a point. <laughs> Fuck. Well, yeah, yeah, it's like my wife, my 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 wife, um, say, you say, "Yeah, but that's not how it happened." And my kids are both go, "Of course, it isn't how it happened. <laughs> You've been married to him for thirty years. He just changes things to make it sound better." Or he, lies. he lies. He <laughs> lies. We're, we're, we're all pre-Trump in that respect, aren't we? We're doing <laughs> yeah, a good job. Yes, absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely yeah. right. So, but in terms of football, uh, because we are predominantly all. Changing as as Chris and I hate the game more and more, <laughs> a, football, a football podcast. And you said uh, Nottinghamshire. Um, yeah. So, d- d- did you have a particular uh, allegiance to to County or Forest or to or to Mansfield or to uh, or to whoever? Well, no. Um, I was bought a little Thanks white. For that. Well, no, none of the above. But I'll come to why I did eventually. But. Yeah. Uh, for Christmas in about 1960 or 61, when I was about seven years old, I was getting into football and a white book of uh, everything that happened the previous years, actually, it would be 62. Spurs won the, the double, I think, in 61, the FA Cup and the league. I'm pretty sure they did. And half of the book was about Spurs. And I used to read it every night when I went to bed, because I've always had a bit of trouble getting to sleep. And this was pre-adolescence, so obviously, you know, pre-masturbation days. Um, and <laughs> I was so interested in this football that I decided Spurs were for me. Now, I, my mother wasn't interested in football, and my mother and father had split up. So I was living with a sister, a mother, and an Irish granny. And the milk lady used to come around and have a cup of tea every morning, and she said... I'll take you to Forest and you can watch Spurs Reserves. They're playing. And so she took me to Nottingham Forest. And every time Spurs were in town, the Reserves or the first team, she would take me. And, of course, during this time, she kind of converted me into a bit of a Forest fan. Mm. So then I used to go with her to watch Forest when Spurs weren't playing. Yeah, you know the first game I ever went to was Forest Spurs at Forest. That was the first game I ever went to. Oh, yeah. What year was that? that would have been 1970, oh, okay. I think. I think Spurs won and Chivers scored. But we, uh, uh, my father uh, got us interested in looking at Spurs because Mike England played for them. <laughs> and we had, a, we had a, a theory that he might be a distant uncle because yes. he looked a bit like my dad. So he took me to watch Mike England play. Yeah. Well, that, and, re- uh, that, that reminds me, of course, of, of somebody I'm sure we all know, Mawena Banks, who grew up in, yeah. in Falmouth in Cornwall and, and had a quite a good trade selling um, autographs of her uncle Gordon uh, in the <laughs> playground. <laughs> the idea that Mawena <laughs> even knew who Gordon Banks was is quite obscure, but well done for, for that. And that always reminds me of the great line in The Likely Lads about, about Terry having sold Bob when they were at school Sherpa Tenzing's autograph. <laughs> it's a, it's a, which I always thought was the perfect choice. It's going to be an obscure autograph, but Sherpa Tenzing is the number one. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I, I, 
I, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to kind of draw a line under why I don't support a football team anymore, other than my nation. You know, I love mm. England, every sport. Yeah. But um, when I was about 21, I came home from college to for Christmas and there was a boxing match day and uh, and Forrest were playing Aston Villa and I think it was the year Villa won the what was then the Football League Championship 81 then yeah that would yeah. be no 70 something it was it was definitely <clears> in the set. anyway never mind never mind you, you we'll look it up later but uh, my uh, my uncle and myself managed to get two tickets for the Trent end and a very big game on a crowded day. And we were in the end with the Forest fans, and they sat on a, a wall at the back of the Trent end, above where I was standing, and gobbed on me all game. Hey. And I was one of them, you know? So I thought, yeah. not for me anymore. I don't. This is not a tribe I want to belong to, so I, I packed it in. Yeah. yeah, well, no, fair enough. I remember talking uh, many years ago now to uh, Les McEwen, the lead singer of the Basic <laughs> Rebels, and uh, wanting to have somebody to talk about that wasn't, you know, Shangalang. <laughs> I asked him, you know, if he supported a football team because he'd grown up in, in Scotland, obviously. And he said he'd been to a game as a kid, I think Celtic Hearts he'd been to. and He'd only been to one game and he'd been hit on the head with a brick. Someone had thrown a brick, hit him on the head, knocked him out. He'd been carried out of the ground on a stretcher uh, spent a couple of days in hospital and then thought, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> well, you know, and I, you know, fair enough. You know, I don't want to defend that, but then without that brick, maybe the basic rollers would never have existed. You know, yeah. maybe that was what turned his creative maybe juices was that to brick. music. Well, you know, I know, I know, and I've known Norm for fifteen years now, and I know you to be an, a very avid sport watcher of all mm. of all sports of all. Uh, I remember you once showing me a photo of your living room carpet with two holes worn in the shape of a pair of slippers. <laughs> <laughs> where you where you would sit at the end of your settee and watch and watch just watch sport. It was fifteen years ago. now, but just in a different house. Just in a different house. Did you take the car take the rug with you? Yeah. <laughs> just they, they the familiar board. No, I've got to have a new rug because of the holes my feet make. <laughs> 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 but no, it was 15 years ago. Norm was the lead. Well, it was an, an ensemble, wasn't it? But I always thought your part was the lead in uh, in my play, Breakfast of Johnny Wilkinson, which was sort of a follow-up to an evening with Gary Lineker, except a different sort of football, and we actually won the World Cup. And we did that, didn't we, during the during the 2006 World Cup? We did. Um, and I remember watching a lot of those games with you at the, at the the in the bar at the Many a Chocolate Factory and, and then having to go on stage straight after. You remember that? You remember seeing that, that game where um, Crouch pulled the guy's um, uh, dreadlocks yeah, it, it, when we were playing against Trinidad? Uh, well, was, it not, was it not Kenwin Jones's? Uh, Is it Kenwin uh, Jones? Oh, right. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good yeah. memory. To be honest, you know, when I'm, uh, I've been doing quite a lot of touring over the last few years, and one of the maddening things about doing eight shows a week in anything is you miss a lot of the sport, except that I don't anymore, do I? Because my phone is a magnificent piece of yeah. equipment, and with or without yeah. Wi-Fi, I can watch all of it. So I time my entrance to the stage by a relevant <laughs> part of the game I'm watching. It could be any sport. And then I rush back yeah. up, and in fact, one day... When England were playing in the World Cup, I took my I took my phone onto stage with me and was watching it. In the watching, I'm afraid I went to it. the show report that day for being naughty, uh, naughty. The sport, uh, yeah. You see, yeah. The show that. report is a, 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 that's a wonderful thing because did you get fined for that? No, you just get reported to the powers that be. It's like and that, 
It's but like being told be off fine, by Boris you? Johnson. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yes. It doesn't really yeah. have any in, in the grand scheme of things, yes. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> when when I was in Chris's play and he was going in the West End, I was, I was fined every single performance because I wasn't on until the second half. And I thought, well... Surely that means I can go to the pub, which I yeah. did. Every single uh, time. But I should I should tell you now, Nick, no, many years later, that you were actually supposed to be on at the oh, end really? of the first half. Oh, <laughs> it makes no difference, Chris, because I wouldn't have known the lines. <laughs> well, we both got fined. Nick and I both got fined because they they put the uh, the matinee at six o'clock so that on Saturday, so that people could go to a... Because football fans who might want to come to the play could go to a game at three. It was about football. So there wasn't an afternoon matinee because it would clash with the football. So there was a six o'clock and an 8.45. So there's only like 35 minutes between... Between the shows, and Nick and I used to go up the up the road to the pub, having done the first show, and then get reported for not being in for the half, yeah. even though we'd been there all bloody afternoon. Well, you know? When you say and you were fined, what, how yeah. does that happen? I mean, who finds you? Um, just gets taken yeah. off your, you know, your weekly yeah, yeah, yeah. wage, and we or, and we and we made a fuss about it and got it back. We got it back, yeah, we did. I mean, I'm not. Let's not make out it's some sort of peasants' revolt. It was a tiny no, 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 thing no. that pleased no, no, us. No, tiny, tiny. <laughs> but no, I mean, talking about watching, you know, watching football around doing the play. Do you remember when we were doing the play, doing the, the Johnny Wilkinson play during the 2006 World Cup? We got to that Portugal game, that uh, quarter final. Oh yes, and uh, and we had a matinee that clashed with that. And so we had to watch it as live as soon as the as soon as it uh, the show finished, and then do another show as soon as do you and it completely filled that gap, and then it went to extra time, and then it went to penalties, and so we missed the uh, we 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 had to delay the start by like a couple of minutes of the second show to watch us go out on penalties, and then go straight on stage. And do a play, do the play, which had which had in it a line about the Rugby World Cup. What happens if it's a draw? And oh, I think it goes to penalties. And I had to say, I had to say, and it didn't used to go for very much. Oh, great, England are great at those, or something like that. And on that night, it got a, such a visceral groan yeah, yeah. from the audience because yeah. the, everyone there had had watched that afternoon England going out on penalties and a visceral, the penalty shootout, a visceral groan it? from the cast as well, Chris. From the cast as well. Yeah, exactly. Is it? Is that not the? That's the uh, the famously lost chapter of an actor prepares, which is <laughs> you should be allowed to put off the start of a show until penalties have been taken in a World Cup game. Uh, I, mean, I was actually at the game. It was in, it was in Gelsenkirchen, and and if you remember, it was uh, it was quite apart from all of the other depressing things about it. Uh, the most depressing. Do you remember? It was the Ronaldo wink. If you remember, the Ronaldo oh, wink. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, when when uh, Rooney was sent off and blah 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 and um strangely uh, being germany uh, which is usually so good at these things uh, you were allowed to smoke in the concourse and once Rooney was sent off i i just said i've, I've got to go and have a cigarette i said to my mate so i went in to the concourse and there was me and one other person there which was this woman and i was smoking she goes oh that was a shame and i said i said well he's cost us the world cup you know yeah, yeah, okay, he's been conned into it, but he's cost us the World Cup. I'm bloody furious. And this woman says to me, you don't know who I am, do you? And I'm, well, naturally, I didn't know she was. And she goes, 
I'm Wayne's mum. <laughs> it was Wayne and his mum. Well, when I say cost the World Cup, I mean the game is over. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, still, yeah. Still, he costs us the fucking World Cup. extra time. I've always, I've always thought he was a wanker. <laughs> she said. Sorry, yeah. sorry. She said. Yeah. It's just a natural thing for boys. We all do it. It's, not, it's nothing personal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was just, that was just yeah. a masturbating thing. It may even not have been his mum, in which case all points. Points to her. And of course, Jamie Carragher cost us that game because he was supposed to be the specialist penalty taker. Came on and and uh, and took his penalty kick before the referee blown the whistle. So he had to take it again, and the keeper knew where it was going. Yeah, yeah. What, he, Just, because he didn't have the imagination to put it to, somewhere to, to change else. his fucking yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was he was under pressure, obviously, but he'd just come on. I'm, I'm so glad you're talking to, to me penalty. about this, because I'd wiped all of this from my mind. I'm not very good at that. If we lose, the only thing I could think of, Chris, was well, at least we got to go on stage and do a play about when England win. Yeah, yeah, we got to do that. It's not a football play, but yeah, we did. (laughs) And so what are you doing just at the moment? You're touring in Hairspray. Yeah. The musical Hairspray. I'm starting again on Monday until April the 2nd in Sunderland, (coughs) another great club that's had it. Ah, wow, yeah. I just went up to Sunderland uh, last month. Oh, did you? Watch a game? Yeah, see see Oldham in the EFL trophy. It's lovely, the stadium light. If you get a chance to go to a get well, you'll have a matinee, won't you? Yeah, but, well, I've I, I passed it many times, being, being up there with other shows, you know. And uh, I yeah. like Sunderland. It's good. It's got great spirit about it. Good place. Yeah, it is. Back on the horse. I've, I've had five weeks off, grown a beard, and all this stuff has to finish for art. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, it occurs to me that Airspray must be one of the easier shows to get sponsorship for. I mean, it's just... You know, one call to Tresemme and it's job done. Yeah, isn't it? It's actually sponsored by Ultra Clutch. That's Ultra really? what? That's the yeah. name. Now, is that a, I think is that all, a hair thing or is that a car thing? We've all that, haven't we? You know. <laughs> so, Norm, tell me, well, what, what part do you play in Hairspray? I play Wilbur Turnblad, Tracy's father. Okay. So, yeah. so the beard, not a problem. No, yes. 1960s. It's set in Baltimore in 1962. No beard is allowed. Oh, well, apparently. I beg your pardon. Oh, it hasn't but you're not, you're not in drag or anything, are you? you know, uh, in... No, that was no, that was Rocky Horror. That was drag. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. no. Oh, right, Ray, yeah. And conventional yeah. things. Okay. I, they, they, all, they all blur together. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you see, if you weren't football supporters and had you kept quiet about Port Vale and Oldham all those years ago, you too could have a future well, in musical theatre. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, you know, the, the sponsorship thing is why I have such high hopes for my new show, which is uh, it's called Guaranteed Acceptance, the over 50s life insurance musical. And it's not it, it's not going to be I'm great, in. frankly. It's got Carol Vorderman and Michael Parkinson in it. But it, I got the backing just like that. You know, Parky sings a song called Would You Like a Free Pen? Just for inquiring. <laughs> Has it not also got... Uh, um, who was... Uh, 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 Daniels' his, uh, wife. Uh, uh, Debbie McGee, is she not in it? No. <laughs> she's Why another one peddling peddling uh, life insurance. Uh, in, in, in mine, yeah, she's in mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, not hairspray. Yeah. Sorry, I beg your Not hairspray, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> De- Debbie. Oh, did you see Norman? I wanted to say to you, you know, we, we did the film of Breakfast with Johnny Wilkinson yeah. with lovely George Mackay, who's become a massive star now on the back of 1917. I saw an article a couple of weeks ago where he was on the list of people they were considering for the new Bond. Yes, I heard that. How great would, how great would that be if George Mackay was the new Bond? Oh, that would be fantastic. And... 
I also, I text him now and again because there's a pub near London Bridge called The George, which is a magnificent mm. old coaching inn, and we should go and drink there one day. But I, I yeah, yeah. took George when he was 17 to The George when we were uh, working in that area. Yeah. And now I say, George, shall we go to The George? And he, he texts me back and says, oh, it's my dirty Uncle Norm. When can we meet <laughs> Oh, nice. So it, hasn't, it hasn't gone to his head at all. Well, listen, can I suggest before we finish that you go to the George with Chris if you're free on his birthday because nobody else is really interested in spending the evening with him. Yeah. Well, you said it was your, is your birthday next week, Norm. No, it's in a couple of weeks. Actually, I lied. And uh, so is mine. Yeah. Oh, come so on, there, come on, tell us, tell us, both of you, tell us. <laughs> no, I'm February 17th, so it's a couple of weeks. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a month. When's yours? Yeah. 20th of January. Well, you know, I don't do a lot of interviews, but I find when we're swapping birthday dates, it yeah. tends to be well, this was, nearly this was the what very we promised end. at the beginning. We'd get round to Norm's birthday, <laughs> and true. that would be the end. I'm sure that's the... Norman, thank you so much. That's been so much fun. And just to say to uh, both of our listeners, uh, please go <laughs> on to uh, our website uh, at um, Sloping Pitch, where, incidentally, people don't know this, we're offering a rabbit made entirely from gold with gems in it, which we've hidden somewhere, and all the clues will be on. <laughs> On our what's it called again? Twitter thing. So Twitter. go for that. Or oh, just don't bother. Thank you so much. Thank you, Norman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Sports Social Podcast Network.